Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Nine on Your Side Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Layton. I'm here with somebody whose name I see very frequently. If you live in Greenville, you probably know who he is, Stephen Igo. Thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me on your podcast. So as you can see behind us, there's Hoist the Colors, 94.3 The Game, everything like that. You're very involved in all that, obviously. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we just actually started a, a new radio program. Obviously, I've been running Hoist the Colors for a while, but now we're starting a daily radio show, which is something I'm having to get used to, 12 to 1 on 94.3 The Game. And, uh, of course, we're talking East Carolina sports. It's basically an extension of what we do online on uh, hoistthecolors.net. Now it's just basically in radio form. So we got, we got the podcast, we got the website, now we got the radio show. Uh, I think we got most of the outlets covered. Yeah. You you started Hoist the Colors yourself, right? It was yep. in 2010. Yep, 2010. I was actually a freshman at East Carolina. And uh, I grew up in Greenville, North Carolina, so I always kind of had pirate blood in me. And I, I always appreciated sports media, and I you know, obviously went to the games, uh, did a lot of reading for you know, the pro teams I follow, along with the you know, East Carolina Pirates. And I just kind of always felt there was not the coverage that East Carolina fans deserved. And uh, so I started just this basic independent website, didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> Um, and luckily enough, had a lot of friends that were in school or also, uh, you know, wanted to kind of see an online presence because it was back when online was taken off. And hoistthecolors.net um, kind of took off a little bit thanks to my friends, thanks to word of mouth. And it was an independent site for a couple years. We ended up getting some credentials uh, to cover games. And then 24-7 Sports in 2012 was a startup company, and they needed an East Carolina site. So I signed on with them, which was a nationally accredited company and we've kind of been rolling ever since and honestly it's gotten a lot bigger than I ever thought it would. Yeah and you've really helped 24-7 sports grow. I know that it was put in the top 50. Can you kind of explain what that means? Yeah so East Carolina so basically I run the East Carolina site on 24-7 sports and they have like other team sites um, that specialize in covering a specific team. Of course we do the Pirates but you know you got like the North Carolina site, the NC State site, Duke, Wake Forest, when we're talking regionally, but East Carolina ranks in the top 50 basically in terms of revenue, in terms of size, members, all that sort of stuff on 24-7 sports. So you look at you know a lot of the perceived bigger schools out there, bigger fan bases and bigger conferences is what people like to say. Well, East Carolina ranks right up there with a lot of those or, or surpasses a lot of them. So uh, a lot of that is accredited to the Pirate Nation. Um, and then, of course, 24-7 Sports has done a phenomenal job giving us resources on Hoist the Colors to, you know, travel to games so we can kind of be, hey, we're, we're on the ground when ECU, you know, takes on Michigan next year. Obviously, WNCT will be there with Brian <laughs> Bailey, but, you know, we're there too. So it's kind of like, hey, we're here. We're the trusted source for East Carolina sports information. And, you know, all that kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with reporting. Uh, with me doing my job, and then the fans are consistently interacting on the site, whether it's the message board, commenting, you know, just in terms of interacting and taking in the content. I was going to ask about that. How is the message board after like a, like we'll start positively, how is it after right. an ECU win? 
It's uh, so it's a much better place. I'll say it's a much better place to be after a win. But honestly, <laughs> it's probably more fun after a loss if, if you if you can take a step back and be like, all right, this isn't the end of the world. Um, now it gets yeah. pretty negative. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like football season, you want to see some crazy people. You come on the Hoisted Colors message board. And the other crazy thing is too everybody's got their username but it's not like facebook or instagram where like they're using their actual name they right. kind of have a pseudonym for the most part you got very few people that actually have their name and so they're posting you know their their real thoughts or they're taking shots at coaches they want people fired they want to bench holt nailers they want to move them to tight end which is the most uh you know that was the most <laughs> we got that, a that ton. yeah it, it ended up not being correct but there was a couple years where everybody wanted to move holt nailers to tight end turned out that wasn't the right call um, so it's just, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, you get that vantage point of, man, these people are so passionate. It means that much to them. So it's really cool to see. And being able to interact with them, you understand what they want to know. Like, they want to know what went wrong in this game that led to, mm -hmm. you know, Holton playing so bad or the new quarterback playing so bad or why did the offensive coordinator make this call in the fourth quarter so you kind of get that vantage point instead of just me trying to formulate, hey, what, am I, what do I want to write? Right. I kind of take in their comments and say, all right, here's what I can do to give them what they want. So it's an interesting place to be, I guess, to answer your original question. Much better after a win, but more entertaining <laughs> after a loss. It's funny you bring up Facebook because when I was an intern for ECU, I was lucky enough to get to do the Mike Houston radio show when it was at Logan's. And... They would ask the questions on Facebook Live, and my job as a little intern was to write them on an index card real quick and hand them to Jeff Charles under the table so he could ask. But it's funny you say Facebook because people would say the most ridiculous things yeah. with their actual name, though. Like their name, and I would have to write their name on the index card, and there were some where Jeff Charles would just kind of be like, he would look at me and he was like, no, no. <laughs> answering that question. So I think something that you've realized as an ECU alum and now you're getting to stay in it, something that I've realized as an ECU alum still being here, pirate fans are insane, always have been since day one in the best way. But, I mean, you've been out of ECU for a while, but you've been in Greenville. How have you watched the ECU athletic program as a whole grow since you were here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy how much – it's come. I mean, and, and like anything, it's all cyclical in that there, there's good days, bad days, and it goes in cycles. And you know, unfortunately, with Hoist the Colors, we, we when we started, when we really got rolling. Like Ruff McNeil was here with football. Mm -hmm. It was the end of the Billy Galvin era in baseball, and Jeff Lebo was coaching in basketball. So it was pretty good times for basketball, really good times for football. Uh, you know, Shane Carden, that whole era was mm -hmm. was was. The winning a bunch of games. The yeah, the tattoo, yeah. the flex. Our <laughs> photographer got that uh, in, in Chapel Hill. And uh, so, like, that blew up. It was a fun time. So that helped the ascension of Hoist of Colors as well. But then, of course, you know, you had the whole major downturn mm -hmm. uh, of football, which I know you maybe experienced some of it mm -hmm. as a student. When I first came in. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it was just it was a lot of negativity, a lot of frustration. Hey, are we ever going to get back to being ECU? Like, are we right. ever going to get back to winning games? Uh, luckily for baseball with Cliff Goblin, that's been on a roll. But I just think right now it's kind of this administration has done a great job of calming the waters when they first came in. You know, Coach Houston's coaching staff has done a great job of doing that as well. And it's mm -hmm. like finally, you know, we're not. I don't think ECU is not to where they're they're most content or happy with, but we're in a good place to where it's trending upwards. You know, people, for the most part, have backed off uh, the Green Street Bridge. They're not yeah. going to take a dive off. And, you know, the football team's gone to bowl games. Baseball team's winning consistently. Basketball, I think, 
with Coach Schwartz is in a good spot. Women's basketball, of course. And we were talking about softball earlier. Mm -hmm. I really like Shane Winkler, what he's going to do long term. So I, I think the athletic department right now with John Gilbert down is in the best health it's been in. And with the American kind of going through a transition, I really see this as a pivotal time for East Carolina to maybe establish itself as an upper echelon team in the American. You know, can they become the UCF, the Cincinnati of what the American was before those teams left for the Big 12? What do you think the change is going to do to the American? You obviously just mentioned that ECU could rise to the top, but how do you think this is going to affect it? I mean, there's a lot of teams coming in that yeah. I never would have thought. I mean, obviously the teams are leaving, but what do you think it looks like now? It's, uh, it's, it feels like Conference USA 2.0. That's what it's, I was thinking. It's like it's, uh, but, you know, the, I, I do think the biggest difference is a lot of those teams, so ECU used to be in the same league with like Houston, Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and UCF. And at that time, those teams were not seen as maybe what they are now. But upon moving to the American, it's basically kind of agreed upon, hey, if you're going to step up to the American, you're going to have to spend a lot more. You're going to have to put a lot more into your athletics programs, which ECU is doing. ECU right now mm -hmm. is spending more than it ever has athletically. And the teams coming in, like Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, like they're not household names, but they're going to start pumping money into their programs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to me, like I think East Carolina has a head start, but now's not the time to rest and be like, oh, we're going to beat up on Charlotte or FAU. Right. Those teams, like we saw with UCF, Cincinnati, even Tulane, they can quickly ascend and surpass expectations, and I think many of them will. So I think East Carolina, these first two years, have to take advantage of this buffer period where ECU's been spending more basically for the past handful of years than it ever has, more so than these other teams. So they're kind of having a head start. This is a critical time for them to take that, that leap. And, you know, as far as the, the league as a whole, I, I'm not too fired up about going to cover football games at Rice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but no, nor really at Charlotte. And, uh, Charlotte's I'm from Charlotte, and I love, but UNC look, Charlotte, it was too close to home for me. Right. But it's not, it's not a, it's not a UCF. It's right. not a U, and that's just the reality of it. It's, it, you know, when ECU plays there, I think they play them at home this year, but next year, and they play at Charlotte. It's going to be at least half ECU fans. I don't know if the stadium's going to be big enough, honestly. It's, so. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and maybe it, over time it, it can become a rivalry, but it's just like East Carolina has already had its tradition, its ways. You know, I know a lot of people that went to Charlotte that are ECU fans, so <laughs> I don't know how that's going to transpire over time, but maybe at least there's a positive of there being a team in the same state, in the same conference, even though it is a long drive, as you probably know. Right. The other thing about UNC Charlotte is that I've watched, obviously, them change, have a rebrand, like right. three over the last, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. And now they have the, I like the old 49er that right. kind of looked like the old PD, where it's an actual you know, person. Mm -hmm. And so now they have the CLT and I feel like it's just the airport. Ex right, exactly, exactly. So I feel like it's just a lot of rebranding. And I think that ECU has also done that, but in right. ways of, um, I guess, like patterns. We haven't rebranded our words or our motto or anything else, which I think is what makes ECU so special. So you saying these schools are going to have to, in a way, step up, which is yeah. true. I think that we're going to kind of be the standard now yeah. in the conference. It, you'd hope so. And, and I think like East Carolina, Tulane, Memphis, like to me, those are the teams in SMU as well. SMU is spending a ton of money. And they, they've kind of rebranded themselves as Dallas. You mm -hmm. know, that's what they have on their uniforms <laughs> half the games now. But, um, 
you know, those are the teams that I see in the American that have to take advantage of this time and be the standard, as you say. So, you know, whether or not that happens, I don't know. Um, I think ECU's got the right people in place for it to happen, but now you got to go out and execute it. You know, I think it starts in football, but I think men's basketball specifically, that's the second biggest revenue sport in college mm -hmm. athletics. ECU, if they want to get to a bigger conference one day, you got to start winning in men's basketball. Mm -hmm. I do really like Mike Schwartz. I think he's the guy for the job. But to me, football is in a good spot. That's great. You know, we got to start. We got to start taking men's basketball seriously at some point. Well, I think I've always said that if EC, I've said this since I got here, or maybe even beforehand, because I grew up a Duke basketball right. fan my whole life. They would head softball. I might have tried tried a little harder in school, right. but I ended up where I'm supposed to be. I love ECU. But I've always said that if ECU had a good men's basketball team, I think we could have fit in in the ACC. Yeah. And I get, you know, like the weirdest looks for saying that, but I don't think that there is anything that separates us from the ACC schools except for men's basketball. I mean, you look at it, passionate fan base in football, honestly, you know, to me, ECU and NC State are the only true, like, football fan mm -hmm. bases, you know? Like, UNC, obviously, and Duke are basketball, basketball. fan bases. Wake Forest, you know, they're, they're Wake Forest, so, <laughs> you know, they kind of do their own thing. Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of how I see it, and I feel like if ECU did ever add, not even a great men's basketball team, but a, a solid program mm -hmm. to complement football and baseball, which is, you know, really good, you would kind of have the trifecta, and unfortunately, ECU basketball was just ignored for so long. You know, it's kind of just been, uh, you know, I don't even know the word for it, but it, previous administrations, it's not this administration or this coaching staff's fault. It's just, it's it's kind of been just the way it's always been. Like, hey, it's basketball. Like, who cares? Right. Basketball. But, like, I feel like that's finally changing. They started to invest when Joe Dooley came in and, you know, didn't see, you're not going to see immediate results always, but I think they're still investing you saw some progress last year, but I agree. If you get to the point where you're making the tournament, hell, every five years, um, maybe that's you know that, that that's probably good enough considering where football is. And I don't know. That's just kind of my take on it. I feel like the investments there now. Can we finally see the results follow that investment? You had mentioned Shane Winkler before we started talking, mm -hmm. and as an ECU softball alum, I will talk about ECU softball <laughs> any chance I can get. And you talked about the culture and the what you think he's done for this program. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that because I could talk about that for yeah. hours. <laughs> well, I just think every interview, you know, we did the initial press conference with him when he first came in, and have seen many interviews with him since. Like, he just seems like he gets it. You know, obviously did great things at George Washington and won big there. So he's, he's a proven winner as a head coach, which I think makes a big difference. You look at the recruits, the transfers he's brought in, like he's recruited at a high level. And it just feels like, you know, we, we got to give him as much time as possible. You can't just reboot things overnight. Right. Um, but I've just been so impressed with kind of his vision. Uh, what they've done, you know, non-conference plates to win some games. We were talking earlier, people don't understand how good the American is in mm -hmm. softball. Like Wichita State, every time I, I see a Wichita State tweet, they're hitting a home run. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like, these girls are just dropping tanks left and right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's in a great spot. Much like with ECU Athletics as a whole, there's not a program I look at that where I'm like, man, I don't know if that's the right coach. I feel like right. Shane Winkler is 100% the right coach. And he will get there eventually. They've already made big strides this year. You know, you can see it in, in their gameplay. They've been more competitive as well, even in conference play, even if the results aren't necessarily there. But you can see the talent increasing. He just needs probably another recruiting cycle or two. Mm -hmm. And so we talked a little bit about 24-7 sports. Now, as someone, you're writing, I've seen gets published on a lot of other sites, CBS sports sites. 
I will say that whenever it was ECU football season, I would do, I think we called it like a notebook, on Sundays after the Saturday games about the best things and the worst things from that game, whether we won or we lost. I know that I pulled up your website and your article more than once for like references. I was like, what did he say? Because this makes sense. And you know, what did he, how did he word this? And I was like, that's, you're a great writer at I that. that. So whenever you see your writing on other, let me, let me say, I didn't steal any writing. I didn't okay. copy and paste no verbatim. I did not do that. WNCT don't fire me. Um, but when you see your writing on other sites like that, you're probably used to it by now, but is it nice to see your name and your writing being put out there it is i mean it's it's awesome i mean it's it's something i probably somewhat take for granted now because we've gotten to the point of hoist the colors where hey if i report something like mike schwartz like we broke the news that he was going to be the head coach mm -hmm. a couple years ago and you know when something like that gets picked up by espn cbs sports illustrated like that's pre it's pretty crazy because I grew up like reading Sports Illustrated, like getting the magazine. Yeah. Mail. Maybe that makes me old. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, like I, I remember those days and like even to be in the same breath, even if mm -hmm. it's just like a link on their site, like it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's something I would have never dreamed of. Um, you know, I always had a passion for sports, but I was always told like, you probably need to go like into the medical field to yeah. like get some more money or do this or whatever. It's, and, and granted, you know, sports reporting sports coverage is insanely competitive it is hard so like to to be able to see that come to fruition mm -hmm. honestly probably a lot of luck involved with that it wasn't just me <laughs> doing it on my own i had a great supporting cast ton of luck perfect opportunity with 24 7 sports at the right time um, but it is it is pretty surreal to see some of that stuff. I think the other thing about sports reporting or what I do or what you do with radio, podcasts, on your phone, on the camera we're looking at right now, the way that technology and social media has grown over the last little bit has really, I think, helped people out like you and me, right. my job, any kind of news station. I mean, the way that you're able, we can put out push notifications, so-and-so got hired, Mike Schwartz got hired. Boom, it's out there on ESPN, they're able to use our stuff. I know when we're at WNCT and a next star station picks up our stuff and you know it's my name on it, I'm like, wow. Right. But it's also like, this is information that they got from us because of social media. And I think that it's really, really helpful. It's crazy, like just even doing this show now, like I'm, we're published on YouTube, we're on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and like we have to push it out to all those places. And like it's good because you look at the numbers, people digest mm -hmm. your your show or your article or this podcast in different ways. So you have to make sure it's hitting every every stream, and that's that does add a lot to what we're doing. Like as you know, like y'all are doing video for a podcast, so like yeah. you're doing more than just the audio version. And so like there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think people understand the time it takes to hey edit this video or mm -hmm. set up this stuff make sure the lighting's right go through and edit the podcast do all that sort of stuff there, there's just so much that goes into it and honestly like i would i'd prefer to just be able to show up and write an article and yeah. publish it and not have to tweet <laughs> it post it on facebook post it on instagram but that's just part of it and it's like almost like the daily routine now so you have to be good with social media or if you're not i guess you have to have somebody underneath you that's really good with right. social media right but it's just people digest things every which way like i was reading something recently that instagram people are starting to get their news a lot more on instagram as opposed to twitter oh wow so like i've tried to put you know stuff through instagram as much as possible without just spamming it but it's just you always have to adapt you always have to evolve 
or else you're going to get left behind in the sports industry. But it is good that there's so many outlets to you know, benefit from, I guess, our news being put out there. I was just about to ask what social media platform of your because you have around 11,000 followers on Twitter, correct? Mm -hmm. I was just about to ask which one gets the most, you know, clicks or right. whatever, I guess. Is it Instagram now for you or so, is it still Twitter? I would say, like, clicks-wise, probably Twitter. Honestly, our Facebook page has 30,000 likes. I don't know why. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like, like, somehow we got that many. I guess there's a lot of people that have nothing better to do than like points to color. But we get, you know, different demographics, right? Like, uh, you know, to me, like, older people right now use Facebook more. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'll get a bunch of, like, my parents or their their friends. But, hey, I saw your article on Facebook. Yeah. Like, that was cool. Um, and then, like, Twitter, you know, I have my friends text me about it. And then Instagram, it's even, like, my friends with the younger crowd. So, I guess it's more trying to hit each demographic. Mm -hmm. Instagram, I think, is more... Like, people digest the news to it, but I feel like they're not, like, clicking on your stuff, if that right. makes sense. So, right. like, I think it's just more, hey, let's throw up a graphic, let them know that so-and-so got fired or so-and-so committed as a recruit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then maybe that way you're on their mind. So, hey, I want to go read more about that. Let me go to Hoist the Colors right. or, you know, WNCT or whatnot. So, um, that I would say probably Facebook gives us the most actual traffic, like referral traffic, Twitter follows that and then instagram is kind of more just having a presence to always be on people's minds i think that's how we are too because with facebook i mean with us being a local greenville station i know that i'll do an article and on facebook and twitter it will do fantastic right. and then you get to instagram and the post has like seven likes right. and you're like what the heck yeah, you know huh. but the other thing about instagram too is when you're in a caption you can't add a link i mean you can yeah. put the link but it's not a hyperlink and it's we always have to put our caption like click the link in our bio yeah. and at that point they're going to be like i don't care enough they're you know, not going to go to the sure. bio to click it so I, I think it is more having that presence and then like i think if you get like a really you know maybe if we're just not big enough but if you get like a really big phone in instagram you can put like a link in a story or something like that I've tried to look into ways to do that, but, you know, Hoisty Colors isn't important enough to do that. So. <laughs> it just gets too hard yeah, at some I points. Agree. Now, the big question, everybody, you talked about it recently. What do you think about ECU baseball hosting a regional? Well, I think it's, I, I think they're on the outside looking in as of now, but I, I think it's a possibility. It's just that the margin for error is so thin um, because of, really, the, the series losses at Wichita and at Houston really mm -hmm. cost them. Um, I, I think just from a resume perspective. Now, how do you make that up? You gotta win the regular season conference championship, I think. If you do that and you have a high enough RPI, you're gonna be in the conversation. And then if you're in the conversation, the committee's gonna look at how much revenue East Carolina made through right. Clare Stadium last year. They're gonna know Pirate fans are gonna show up. So if ECU's in the conversation at the end of the day, I like them to get a shot. Right now, they're probably on the outside looking in. But if they reel off seven of their last eight, even went out, maybe go win the conference tournament championship on top of the conference regular season, I think they definitely got a shot. So that, that's just kind of how I, I would say things stand right now. I know there was a lot of talk of us going to Campbell with Coastal and Maine, right. which is something that was put on uh, ESPN. I think that was something that was just talked about. But what did you, I, I don't know my thoughts on that, but what did you think about that? Going to, like you see, playing at a Campbell Regional? With Coastal and Maine. Yeah, that would be... Uh, Man, that would be a tough regional because Coastal <laughs> and, and Campbell are really good. Um, I'm kind of tired of playing Coastal. I know. I'm over it. <laughs> Coastal, ECU already beat them last year, so now they have the revenge factor if they rematch this postseason. Um, and Campbell, ECU owes Campbell quite a bit. You know, the interesting thing is if ECU goes to Campbell, like, 
they're going to have half the stands ECU fans, mm -hmm. if not more. So I think that would be a benefit. Coastal is a little bit further of a trip. I think that would be, a, you know, if they end up at Coastal, which is also a projected regional host, if they're not in the same regional, that could be a, a possibility as well. So there's you look around, South Carolina is probably going to host. Virginia might host. Duke might host. Uh, you've got Wake Forest is going to host. So mm -hmm. you have a ton of, of venues in the area that if ECU doesn't host, the fans will be able to travel, I think. Something I noticed about Wake Forest, this is kind of off topic, but you talked about Wake Forest baseball. What they did, uh, I believe this was a few months ago, they were able to host, a, as someone with epilepsy, this meant a lot. I don't know if you saw anything about it. They hosted an epilepsy awareness game. Um, I never really, you know, didn't have any feelings about Wake right. Forest, but after seeing something like that, you kind of feel... Of course, there are, there is breast cancer games, and that's great. Uh, mental health games, and that's great. But to see a program like that do an epilepsy awareness game meant a lot to me. And you know, if you don't have epilepsy, you're probably like, oh, that's cool. But to me, that meant a lot. So I definitely gained a lot of respect for Wake Forest. Right. So no, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. I was just gonna say is you know, anytime a program goes out of its way to do something like that, I think it, it means a lot. And because I mean, it's easy to just say, "Hey, let's let's not do a game to recognize something like that." Like, right. how easy is that? But to go out of your way to do that, whether it's the baseball team or the athletic department or the marketing staff, it's it's an awesome cause. So I'm I'm all for it. Now I want to end with you talking about your professional teams. What are what are your teams? All right, so I'm all over the map here. Uh, Denver Broncos for the NFL, mm -hmm. and the Seattle Mariners for Major League Baseball. Those are like the two. Like I'm a diehard fan of each of those teams. Um, I, I pick those teams. I get asked all the time, like, why are you a Seattle Mariners fan? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I picked them based off my favorite players growing up. Baseball was King Griffey Jr. Okay. And uh, football was John Elway for the Broncos. And then so, like, I'm like, well, I can't just have one team in those cities. So I'm like a bandwagon Denver Nuggets fan for NBA. <laughs> and I'm a bandwagon Seattle Kraken fan. Oh, no. And, uh, and NHL. <laughs> Although I can't name a single Kraken player. I'm, I'm, I'm not a hockey guy. I, I do love watching the Hurricanes on the playoffs. I know you're a big Hurricanes fan. Yeah. So. <laughs> what do you, so we'll talk about the Hurricanes very briefly. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Stanley Cup chances from what you've seen? I mean, I think I think they got a really good shot. If they can play every game at home, they have a great <laughs> yeah. shot. Um, they, they struggled to win cursed. on the road, but they did win, of course, recently uh, at New Jersey, so that was good to see. Uh, you know, I love Brenda Moore, everything he stands for, so I feel like they've got the right mindset. Um, it's just a matter of can they win enough road games if they have like a, a home slip up or something. And I do think their path is there now to get to the, the Stanley Cup Finals. It's just they got to keep executing. They've had some tough injuries, I know, that have uh, that have made them have to overcome quite a bit of adversity. But it just feels like they've been knocking on the door for what three, four years yeah. now. Like, they got to break through eventually, right? Why not? I this agree. Year? I agree. If anybody knows me, you know I could not agree completely. And I am one to admit that if it's my team, if they're not doing great, I can admit. Like last year when we had the Rangers in round two, I was like, man, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't. Game seven, they went up. God, I don't even know. They beat us like seven to one or something. They went up four to one, and I was like, no, it's it's over. But I. I will give my opinion on that. I think that the Canes have a good shot now. If Edmonton comes out of the West, I think that that will be tough. But, I mean, honestly, with the Bruins and the Rangers getting knocked out and then the Avalanche, it was kind of like, the it's anybody's there. game. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, it's Seattle Kraken, Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> final. Let's do it. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, just uh, check us out, the Hoist the Colors radio program, 12 to 1 on 94.3 The Game daily. Uh, and then also hoistthecolors.net. We're always running, you know, I think 
one quick thing is we're always running specials for subscriptions if people want to sign up. But it's also a lot of people think it's just a VIP site. We also got a ton of free content, so mm -hmm. it's not just you know it's more of a hybrid. Hey, you want to know the in-depth stuff? We can offer that for a, a small payment, and then we're also doing the easy free coverage that you know everybody's doing. But we try to offer a little bit different take as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Absolutely, today. thanks for coming in and, and let me let me be on your show. I'll see you guys next week.